ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. I'm joined in studio once again by Dr. Jason Heron. Hi, Jason. Hi, Chris. Good to have you here. Jason and I are going to be talking about the virtue of temperance. We're doing a series here. If you've happened to tune in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about prudence, justice. Today is temperance, and next week is fortitude or courage. But we, before we get into what temperance is, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll briefly recap what we've said in the previous episodes, but first, let's introduce ourselves a little bit more in case you've never tuned in. Again, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002, so as we're recording, I, I actually just celebrated my 17th anniversary with the diocese on September 1st. Uh, my wife, Jermaine, and I have been married for 20 years. We have five kids. Jermaine's from Ohio. I'm from Minnesota, but all of our kids are born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Jason, what about you? Um, I live in Yankton, where I teach theology at Mount Marty College. Go Lancers. And uh, I live there with my wife, Hannah. We've been married 17 years, so we have six kids. And uh, we've been there for... Just just over two years, we moved here from Dayton, Ohio, where I was at the University of Dayton, a Marianist school out there, uh, completing my my doctoral work in in theology with an emphasis on moral theology and Catholic social teaching. Okay. Yeah. Um, what? If, if just just a deep dip, deep dip, briefly into <laughs> the weeds. What did you study right on for your doctoral dissertation? The. Um, social thought of Pope Leo Thirteenth, who was Pope at the end of the 19th century. Um, he wrote Rerum Novarum, which is his most famous document, and kind of, from our perspective, kind of birthed modern Catholic social teaching. And so we've been commenting on his thought to some degree ever since. And, For over 100 years now. Yeah, now I'm one of those people. <laughs> You're one of those people. Rerum Navarum is not Scooby speak for anything. Rut roll. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> it just, it's just Latin for new things. New things. Um, so he's your guy if you want to learn about new things. Yeah, if you love new things. <laughs> talk to Dr. Jason Heron. Um, or Pope Leo XIII. Yeah, talk to Pope Leo. Okay, talk to Pope Leo. Okay. Um, so today um, we're going to be continuing the series on the four cardinal moral virtues by looking at temperance. But what I'd like to do is start, Jason, by sort of recapping what we've talked about before. So what are the cardinal moral virtues in general? General, What does that mean, cardinal virtues? And, um, and then briefly, what is prudence and justice? Okay, so the cardinal virtues can best be understood in terms of uh, the Latin root of the word cardinal, which is cardo, meaning hinge. And uh, I think we call them the cardinal virtues because our happiness and our freedom as humans, the type of, the type of animal that we are, the human animal, 
our happiness and our freedom hinges on whether we have or to what extent we have the these four virtues. If you have these in their perfection, then you are a very free and a very happy person. You are flourishing. You're like firing on all cylinders. Um, but if you don't have them, you are leading a life of relative misery and you're also probably causing a lot of misery. Mm. Um, and then we, so, t- so I just oh, want to, sure. sure. so, uh, to emphasize, and I think this has been implicit at least, but this means that the, the, the moral life in general, including, uh, not just for Catholics, not just for Christians, for anybody, the moral life in general in this line of thinking, at least is oriented toward the goal is happiness, freedom, and flourishing. Yes. Yes. This is, um, a tough sell for some of us because we are, we have been, uh, trained to think that the moral life is a matter of uh, ticking certain boxes of things that you must do and ticking certain boxes of things you must not do. Um, And then when you do the things that you must not do, asking for forgiveness very promptly. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this is another, this is another way to talk about what it means to be a moral person. Um, And it is, it is oriented to, or it's oriented around the very plain plain truth that every human being wants to be happy. And when we observe in the history of humanity, what seem to be the happiest people, they all appear to have something like justice, prudence, temperance, and courage. We might use different words sometimes Mm -hmm. about those or to describe those, but no one gets to the end of the life that we would all consider happy. And, and we all go to the funeral and we say, man, this guy was really out of control. He made a (laughs) bunch of terrible decisions and he was pretty unfair too, as a dad. And, you know, all these things that would be not the virtues, the vices, uh, we don't associate those with a happy and good life. So this is kind of like, um, the lived experience of, of the human family, Mm. all kind of distilled down into four words. Gotcha. Great. Uh, so just, I want you to distill down into 30 seconds. What is prudence? Prudence is the ability to be, uh, creative and decisive in very difficult situations. Maybe when you're facing two bad options or two really good options and you don't know the clear way forward, a prudent person is able to make a decision despite those insecurities and risks. And if you listen to the episode where we talked about that 373, um, we talked about how Tom Brady, like it or not, epitomizes um, or models for us what um, what prudence looks like as a, as a quarterback. Yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't say epitomizes. Cause, <clears throat> Sorry, I know. Uh, Tom yeah. Brady may or may not be a prudent man. Yes. But the way he looks when he's in the pocket that's that's kind of a way to analogy understand what, to what a, yeah, it's a good analogy. It's okay. a good image. Okay. Um, now I'm going to up the challenge. 30 seconds to explain justice, Jason. Justice uh, could be understood in two ways. Either uh, a harmonious ordering, like Tom Brady's face, like it's all symmetrical and perfectly proportioned, or, you know, balance between two two things. And we usually think of this, the image of the scales, um, giving a person what is due to him so that his scales are balanced and things are fair in his life. Um, so we have 
more familiarity with the scale image than we do right. with Tom Brady's face. face. Well, actually, <clears throat> that's not true. We are very familiar with Tom Brady's face, just not as an analogy for justice. There are some people who would like to make it less proportionate. That's though, true. That's true. Uh, yeah. I have met them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So are you a Patriots fan, by the way? I got to get this out of the way. Here. We're on the third episode here. actually a Detroit Lions fan. You're, oh, my gosh. You poor man. Yeah. So. Oh, Wow. So that kind of like completes the circle because we have within just within um, now, let's see, 20 feet, maybe 30 feet of where Jason is sitting. We've got a Bears fan right here in the room. I'm a Packers fan. You're a Lions fan. And then we've got a uh, sorry, a Bears fan. Lions fan, Vikings fan here, and then a Packers fan just outside the door, mm-hmm. which is where they belong. But that's another story. <laughs> I'm going to get hate mail for that. Right. I love the Packers. Right. I do love the Packers. I feel really sorry for the Lions. The Bears I could care less about. Okay. Right. right. <clears throat> temperance. Temperance. What is the virtue of temperance, Jason? Temperance uh, is an old word for self-control. Um, temperance is a complicated word for Americans because we have... The temperance movement mm-hmm. in our history, where we associated it with getting rid of booze. Yep. Um, but do, do you, you have can, to say that with the accent, by the way? Getting rid of booze. Getting rid of booze. Getting rid. Getting. Getting rid of booze. Getting rid of booze. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if I have an accent. Well, there was a little bit of an accent when you said Just, getting, yeah, rid get, booze. getting rid of booze. Getting rid of booze. I may come from some moonshiners. Well, so back in the day. by the but, way, relevant to the the, the the potential real or fake accent, because you, you did study in Kentucky. Yeah, I went. I'm a I'm a convert from um, <clears throat> the Wesleyan tradition in Protestantism. So I went to a, a Methodist seminary in Kentucky. Right, right. So I learned to love bourbon there. Oh yeah, and yeah. to. Uh, to hate temperance. Just okay. kidding. Just kidding. That's not true. That's not true. Although there is something to say about that later. I okay. Think, Ooh. About hating temperance. Okay. So what is temperance? Um, it's, it's the ability to control your appetites. You have these, uh, I like to think of the appetites as like a, like a, a really grabby hand coming out of your, out of your life at the things you like. And usually we're, um, we're focused on two things. When we talk about temperance, Aristotle said the human animal needs virtue because the human animal has trouble with sex and food. Mm. If it weren't for sex and food, we might not be so, we might not be here in this room having this podcast. Uh, Yeah. And I don't mean that. Right, right. Of course. Yes. (laughs) If you don't know that how sex is related to our being here, then. Call into the show and yeah, yeah. Email uh, Doctor Bergwell can explain. explain Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So Aristotle is very sensitive here to just a a very common reality for most people, and that is the appetite to have sex with another person, or the appetite to in um, take in food, are just so primal and and powerful that um, they can easily go haywire. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's even um, disputable that they that they often go haywire. Um, and interestingly enough, the uh, the Desert Fathers really saw the link between the two, between sex and food. Mm. That if you have a disorder relationship to one, you often have a disordered relationship to the other. Mm. And so attention to your relationship to one can impact your relationship to the other. So both positively and negatively. Right, right. We'll come back to that when we talk at the end about how to grow in the virtue of temperance. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I think temperance just um, 
it's maybe the easiest of the virtues to understand because it's it's related to a pretty common like native experience that everybody's had like when you see the delicious food and then you know you've had enough and then you just keep going so real quick again i am uh, well i don't think i want to go too far down this rabbit hole um those are the two two at least most commonly understood or intuited appetites um, but they're not the only ones that we have, right? Sure. Um, so I, for me, I realized a few years ago, um, I have an appetite for knowledge. Hmm. Um, I, I, I love to, we, we talked in Justice, uh, the episode on Justice 374, about how um, children um, always ask, before we got to, that's not fair. I said they, they, they love to ask the question, why? And it's my favorite question. I want to understand. But it's possible for that desire to know, to understand, to go awry. That's the vice of vain curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have in my life oftentimes, and I still struggle with this, allowed my desire to know things to get out of control. Sure. sure. Um, so, so temperance is not just about our sexual desire, sexual appetite and our desire for food or drink. Right. 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 I think these are the easiest ones to understand. Uh, there, there are more people who are, uh, really feeling strongly about having sex and eating some food than there are about like, <laughs> man, I really want to read that book. I really want to read that book. Now, that's not to say that that's not an issue of temperance, but yeah, that's why I start with sex and food and not something like curiosity. Right, right. Um, but yes, there there are any number of ways that your appetite can just be, um, yeah, be out of control. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be in excess. You can oh. um, fail to want and that's, um, you know, maybe excessive uh, ascetical impulses mm. is also a failure of temperance. Um, if I'm remembering my literature right, like you could you could say that uh, you know an eating disorder where you don't want food sure is is a problem of temperance. It's a failure of it's a failure to to control your appetite. Because yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because. If we always focus on sex and food, then of course it's always a question about people who want too much of something. Right. But it's also possible to fail to desire something appropriate to that thing's nature. Okay. And we are an animal that is that is sustained by food. Shocker. And right. so to fail to want to eat, I shouldn't I shouldn't say it that way. Not to fail to because it makes it sound like you're um, failing. It's just this moral choice that you've right, made, but right. to not want to eat, to not want to nourish yourself is, is an inability to control that appetite in a different way. That's a, that'd be a vice opposed to the virtue of temperance yeah. as well. So uh, the, the, all of the, I think this is true, all of the virtues have vices opposed to them, both in excess, but also that minimize that particular, whatever that vice, the virtue is about. Right. right. And deficit. 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 Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're not talking about budget deficits. Um, <laughs> you, we're talking about the moral virtues today, and in particular, the virtue of temperance. This is Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and I'm visiting today about the virtues with Dr. Jason Heron. Um, so, Jason, we are 15 minutes into this episode. This is the third episode in the series of Moral Virtues, and we still haven't talked about Tom Brady. Uh, right. in, in detail, at least. He came up earlier just in passing, but how does Tom Brady... <laughs> if, if I was pressed to relate Tom Brady to the virtue of temperance, I have no no idea if Tom Brady has 
temperance or not, or how much temperance he has. But often when we see professional athletes, we see people who appear to be models of temperance, but it may be this other sort of deficiency, not, not an excess of, of food, but a, maybe a, well, when it comes to an athlete, you really have no problem with the food thing. They're really trying to nourish their bodies, but there's, there are, um, yeah, there's these models of, mm-hmm. of self-control, all the training that they have to go through, all the, the insane regimens, you know, a lot of them are on very specific diets and, and, um, there's the TB 12 diet though, Tom Brady. Oh, I don't know about this. Tell oh, me yeah. all about it. I, I don't know. It's, it's a crazy, like there's no sugar, uh, no processed foods, um, no caffeine. Like I'm, 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 I'm toast. Well, the first one, sugar, I was toast, but no caffeine. Oh my no gosh. I, I've got a can of Mountain Dew right here. Right. I, right. Tom no Brady caffeine. would run screaming. I wonder why no caffeine. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that could or could not be healthy temperance. It could be intemperate, right? Right. It could be intemperate. It could be an issue of, you know, just obsessive care for yeah. your appetites. And again, we were talking before the little programming break there that, um, it, again, it can be a, 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 a in deficit uh, mm-hmm. where you fail to uh, desire the thing that, that this particular appetite is, is, is aimed at to sufficiently. What I thought of there was just the sort of the general with regard to God, our relationship with him, um, the indifference towards things mm-hmm. supernatural, things divine. The, eh. Uh, and you could say, in a sense, that'd be um, a, a, a failure to be temperate. Yeah, your your um, the example of your desire to know and how intemperate you can be, and your yeah. desire to know, to know can there can be a deficit there, right? Where the the classic image of the student, you yeah. know, sleeping through some of the most important classes of his life because he's just un, he's indifferent, he's un, uninterested. In, yeah, um, none of my students happen to be this way. But, no, no, but. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, I mean, right now it's the the classic word. Uh, well, it's just boring. Yeah, I don't care about it. It's just boring. Yeah, and it's interesting to think of that as a as a failure to desire. I think it's a really actually a pretty great assessment of what that is, is to is to um, to be confronted with you know just whatever mystery or beauty of the world and just say ah oh, it's kind of boring. It's not very interesting to me. I don't really care about that. And to be indifferent in front of the life that you're living. Um, we wouldn't normally associate that with the virtue of self-control, but it, it, it is a failure to sort of like ratchet up your self-control, like yeah. get up off of your butt and start desiring um, whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's a, that would be an excess in the other direction, not a, not a, or sorry, a deficit in the other direction. Okay. I, I was going to ask you, um, but we're going to save it till the end as, as I do. How do we grow in this? So how do we overcome that lethargy, that indifference, that this is boring. But then I remember the last two episodes and I know how you're going to answer that. So we'll see how that turns out. So before we get there, uh, because we've got, we've got plenty of time left. Um, why is it important to be temperate? What, what's, mm. I mean, I, I think we could, why not just let our appetites mm-hmm. run, am, run amok? I think we could see, okay, with food, obviously in obesity and health and so on, but, but in the broad sense, why be temperate? Yeah. I, I think that there's a social dimension that we don't usually associate with, with this issue. Um, and it's appropriate in a Catholic podcast where our listeners will be familiar with the contraception debate. Um, if you were to imagine a world where 
we had devised a pill that you could take and it would erase the physical consequences of overeating. Uh, you didn't have the pain and the bloating. You would never vomit. You would, n- nothing. No weight gain. Um, <clears throat> this would be an incredibly attractive mm-hmm. commodity for people. Um, and even even I when I entertain this little, <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, how many? What's the problem here? Right? <laughs> right? How many racks of ribs like could I put away? Like, would I just get bored with the flavor? Like, you know, you can start to fantasize about. But then if you were to think about the social ramifications of eating that way, what it would do to our farmers and all the people who drive trucks to bring us our food and all the people who wash dishes while we eat. And, well, I mean, they'd be busy. Right. I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> I don't busy. see. Be busy. The... <laughs> Endlessly busy. Endlessly busy. Right. Um, and of course, we would want it for cheap, you know. And so it would have an, an incredible environmental and social and political and economic impact mm. if we just could justify or somehow make it not justify somehow make it possible for us to consume food in an unlimited way. That's a fairly interesting analogy. I think to the contraception debate, um, we're not accustomed to thinking that the way we have sex has social and political and even ecological ramifications. But if the analogy works, then I think it probably does. They're just a little more hidden because, Mm -hmm. uh, we think sex belongs in the bedroom, but of course you have, you eat at restaurants and eating's fairly public. Right. So um, I think that temperance is important, not only for, you know, health, but um, for this, this broader impact. And, you know, other people are watching, uh, chiefly your children, Yep. you know? And so to model the ability to exercise rational control over every aspect of your life um, is is a good thing I think that needs no justification. The human animal is capable of directing uh, every aspect of his life um, to varying degrees from person to person, but we are that kind of animal. We have all these decisions to make and bringing the appetites under the control of reason, which is another way to describe what self-control or temperance is, is, is a good thing. It's like you don't have to justify eating amino acids. They're just good for you. Bringing right. your, your life under rational control is good for you. It, so temperance is about properly ordering your, your desires, your appetites, right? Right. right. Um, we talk about the, the desire for sex, the desire for food, um, for drink, for knowledge, maybe. Are there other common areas where it's important to be temperate besides the obvious ones that come to your mind? I think work and leisure are mm. really important areas. Um, it's, incredibly easy to uh, let your desire to be productive, your desire to be creative, your desire to work and produce to be completely out of control. Mm. Um, And for a variety of reasons, maybe you're trying to make up for something that, you know, just this hole in your heart that you think you can fill by work, or maybe you just want to have a certain number of dollars in the bank or whatever it is. It's very easy to lose control over your desire for that. Um, Similarly, I think, you know, we, we live in Yankton. There's a, a great leisure culture in the summer. We live down on mm-hmm. Lewis and Clark Lake. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, all, I'm all for leisure. I'm a great Peeper fan. I think that, uh, I guess no one. Uh, Joseph Peeper. Joseph Peeper. Anyway. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. That's my bad. Uh, I'm just nerding out a little bit. <laughs> um, leisure, leisure is incredibly important. But of course, there are um, all sorts of people who can become indifferent about the rest of their life as they pursue uh, just leisure activities to the, 
to the detriment of their relationships, to the detriment of the work that they should be doing, you know, and this would be a failure to control your desire for that good thing. The things we're desiring are always good things. You don't, right. you don't desire right. to eat glass. You desire yep. to eat things that nur- nourish you. Yep. So it's fine to desire them, but to desire them excessively or to fail to desire them when they're desirable, these are the problems. We've got about three minutes to go, Jason. So um, I, I know what you're going to say because this is the third episode in the series here, but how do we grow in the virtue of temperance? Chris is, is making fun of me because my answer is always that you should spend time with temperate people. Um, but I think in, in the case of this particular virtue, I think it makes a lot of sense to pay attention to your desires. We are... I think a little too used to just thinking your desires are something that happened to you. And they're really just like, they're like tornadoes or whatever. What are you going to do about them? Mm -hmm. I just have these desires. Um, That's not exactly true. It's kind of true, right? When you're hungry, you just are hungry. You didn't decide, you didn't turn on the hungry switch. So there is that element of it, the uncontrolled. But I think that examining what you desire is important because it's possible to put the things that you desire in order. Mm-hmm. They're already in order, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. They're in some order. You desire X over Y. Um, and you might be wrong about that. Mm. And only you can decide that. No one can inventory your desires and what order they should be in for you. Um, and this is kind of hard work, but I think it leads to, when you recognize what you actually desire in life, what actually makes you happy, And when you see, or you can look honestly and humbly at the way you've put them in order in your life, like maybe you spend more time at work than you do with your young children or something like that, um, and you can take a good hard look at that, you might desire temperance because you realize that your failure of temperance has has caused pain in other people's lives. Um, And so I think paying attention to your desires is is really a, a kind of a personal way that you would, of course, want to add to spending time with people who have temperance. Right. Of course, you would never want to skip that part. <laughs> but it's something that you can do in, you know, the silence of your own home. Okay. And um, and my, so that's your constant refrain, spend tire, time with people who are virtuous in that particular way. And mine is, for, for those of us who are Catholic, uh, Christian in general, time with prayer in, in the Lord. He'll, 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 he'll give us these these virtues. He help us, helps us to grow in them, um, and, and especially the sacraments. So the Eucharist, reconciliation. Um, is there a role here, and we're, I, we've got less than a minute left, Jason, but what benefit is knowledge here? With, with Going back to the first episode we talked about, you know, it's not about book smarts. It's about mm. a practical wisdom with prudence. But is there a value here of, of understanding? I think that you don't have to be very book smart to to examine your own desires. They're, mm-hmm. they're near to you, very near to mm-hmm. you. It takes time and it takes work, but it is not a matter of, you, no one needs to be a genius in order to, to look carefully at his own life. Okay, great. All right. So um, grow in the virtue of temperance by, of course, surrounding yourself with temperate people. Again, temperance is not just about your appetites for 
for sexual pleasure, for food, for drink, but they're about really about all of your desires, all of your appetites in that sense. And and, and Jason was just saying, be attentive to them um, and see maybe if they're out of proportion in some way. Thanks for being here, Jason. Thank you for having me. And that will wrap up this wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>